Hi everyone, you are on the Front Page Football Podcast Network. My name is Jeremy Magan and I am the host of our new podcast FPF in the Capital, where I will, with guests from the Canberra football scene, talk about everything Canberra football, whether it's the NPL, whether it's the news, with of course the NSG coming soon and, and the, the big news of an A-League main team coming, whether we talk about Canberra United, just anything Canberra football related. I'm excited uh, to be able to, to talk a bit more about what's going on in the capital, living in the middle of, uh, of the Australian political scene, of course, and commentating on NPL women's myself on weekends. You'll find a range of guests coming in and talking to us about, you know, the players to watch, the teams to watch, what's going on in the region, basically. We'll do a, a monthly episode, I reckon, every few weeks, whenever there's information that is worth sharing. We will be there with some guests and we'll talk about the topics that matter and that can interest both the Canberra region and the rest of Australia. As usual, don't hesitate to go on Front Page Football, check out the last articles, check out the other podcasts on the website, whether it's Front Page Dub or the FPF Minis. Um, it's always a lot of information going on on Front Page Football with all the other contributors. Today on FPF in the Capital, my two guests will be Russ Gibbs and Frank Kasha. Russ Gibbs, you might know his voice. He's a commentator for the A-League women, for the Junior Matilda. He's commentating on A-League men games as well. He's one of the main, he is the main commentator in the NPL in, in Canberra. And he also works for Capital Football. And Frank Kasha is a, is a bit of a legend of a coach here. He's the one coach that brought an NPL team from Canberra in the semi-final of the FFA Cup in 2018. And he's won heaps of trophies there in, in the past 10 years. So having a, having a first episode with them too was pretty special to me because Frank Kasha is also in the commentary team. So we know each other quite a bit and, and we work with each other often on, on weekends. And they are both a, um, a really deep well of knowledge and and, uh, and they are interested and involved in what's going on in Canberra. So it's good to hear from them too what's going on in Canberra. Today is basically the the very first episode and a bit of the preview of what's going on in the season in the NPL, but we will also start by touching on that A-League men bid that is promised to Canberra if the right investors are coming, and the two teams, Canberra, Croatia and Gungan United, who have expressed their interest for um, being the, the Canberra team or the Canberra teams for the National Second Division. All this and a little bit more in our first episode of FPF in the Capital. Enjoy! Right, this is it. This is episode one of our Canberra NPL monthly podcast for Front Page Football. I, I gotta say, listening to that intro does give me chills. Uh, and I have two guests here that are part of, of this intro. Uh, Russ Gibb, whose voice you've heard uh, in the commentary, and, and Frank Kasha, who claims he's the reason why Russ gets so excited during <laughs> those, those commentary. Uh, I'll introduce the two guests first. Uh, we, we'll start with Russ, uh, so head of commentary, communication and marketing at Capital Football, if I'm not mistaken, is is the main role. Just some front page football uh, listeners already know you, Russ, but just for the newcomers, um, who, who are you? What, what do you do in camera? 
Yeah. Um, well, you mentioned the job title I do there. I look after the media management aspect of all football in Canberra and for, and for Canberra United as well. But potentially, um, most people might know me for my commentary duties. I work with Fox Sports, Paramount Plus, Channel 10, uh, doing Liberty A-League. I've done a couple of men's A-League, do local MPL, done Australia Cup as well. So um, commentary-wise, you know, been around been around a bit doing that. Um, media management-wise, been fortunate enough to travel around the world with the Brumbies and Futsal Roos and all sorts of other things as well. But basically, um, like most people who are on this show and contribute this show and and, and us three in, in particular, I just love football. It's my sport. It's my passion. I'm very lucky to work in the industry. And you, and you were in the in the comms team from the very beginning of the uh, inception of Canberra United, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, back in, um, well, the very first year was Chris Goddess who did the team. And then I took over the second year. But that first year, I was a radio commentator, commentator for their matches on, on uh, what was called um, uh, Near Post. Uh, football so I used to do the radio commentary for the A-League women's in the very first season and that's where I got my break really I think with a couple of um, of my calls uh, were sent to other people around without my knowledge and uh, got a few gigs on the back of that which was great. Always helps and our second guest today uh, is usually not behind the mic but he is this year uh, two years after he, he was there as well in, in 2020 Frank Kasha uh, who's a, a, a legendary coach in the capital brought Canberra Olympic to the semi-final of the then FFA Cup uh, in 2018 and, and last year in the Australia Cup uh, got Monaro Panthers out of the capital and, and unfortunately just for a nas one national round but still there I'm wearing the shirt Frank you know I'm this is me showing, this is me showing the respect uh, how are you Frank and, and something tell us a little bit about um, you and what you do for football in the capital thanks Jeremy appreciate it um well basically my job is to buy Russ coffee uh <laughs> pretty much my role and, and to lead the Russ Gibbs fan club. So that's <laughs> uh, in between times leading up to that. Uh, yeah, look, I coached at Olympic for six years and Monero for two years, been fortunate enough to, to, to win a few titles along the way. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, my, my role is, is basically as an NPL coach here in Canberra, um, taking the back seat this year to, to do the commentary, uh, spend a bit more time with family. Having said that, uh, <laughs> I'm now sort of fully, fully booked on weekends with Russ and uh, and doing some junior coach education out at a local club called Lydon Valley. So, yeah, look, um, yeah, fortunate enough to have won some titles um, and uh, and worked with some great players and uh, been exposed to some some really memorable moments over the over the course of the last few years. Yeah, ju just some titles, Frank, including two uh, last year with with the uh, Monero Panthers three, sorry. Uh, and and now you are um, the, the I guess Russ right hand man on the commentaries, and we'll hear you every weekend uh, on Bar TV Sports when anybody wants to listen to uh, NPL Capital Football. All right, let, let's start um, a little bit with not NPL. I guess uh, there was a, a strong spotlight on on our capital the past couple of months. Um, of course, there was that expression of interest for the national second division and Gungahlin United and Canberra Croatia here in the capital um, did put their name forwards and did uh, fill up that expression of interest. So, so, so best of luck to, to them too. And then there was uh, the word from the APL that Canberra and Auckland were the two teams considered for the next expansion. Uh, and of course, the subsequent buzz in the capital uh, with, with the announcement that Michael Cajano, who had been um, who had led the effort to try and get a bid to Canberra for the past few years, would be in charge of finding, uh, I, guess, I guess, the next investor. Um, with those two news, uh, Frank, I guess from from your point of view, um, 
how does that sound trying to have maybe two at least one team in in the national second division and of course uh, a team in the in the a league men um you know sort of like 12 years after we've we've had the women's in there yeah i mean obviously you know what what a league brings to canberra and even what b league may potentially bring to canberra is opportunities i mean players coaches um, administrators, but but even the knock-on effect around you know the logistics and infrastructure, you know they'll they'll obviously need a, a need for for more multi-purpose or specifically built stadium. So the knock-on effect from all those sort of um, decisions and the opportunity it will be the opportunities for those um, things to grow and the game to grow here in Canberra and and obviously there's a pathway there if if the juniors you know want to stay local. I suppose I mean my concern is we've gone from potentially, you know, zero for a number of years, you know, uh, representation outside of the FFA Cup or Australia Cup to potentially three. And um, so, I mean, how do, how do we sustain that if that does come to fruition? Um, and the other concern is, is can we actually unite and get behind it? I think, I think Canberra's in a funny... It's a funny environment in that if if we do if we do get an A A League or a B League side, we, we really can't buy this opportunity. Um, but we've got... A, a part of the environment where the, the the soccer community or the football community will sit back and wait for things to fail and say, "I can tell, I told you so." So, if we do get the opportunity to to see a, a local side in, in either A League or B League, is we we do need to get behind it and unite and embrace it rather than just sort of sit back and wait for it to fail. Yeah, I agree with that. Russ, on, on that note, uh, we mentioned it. You were involved. Early on with the uh, with the Elix women team of Canberra United, and and you also, I guess, were quite close to some of the past couple of bids that um, that Michael Cardona was trying to get through. What what, what you're thinking of that? How did you see it for the women's game, and and what do you think um, needs to happen to make sure that the transition to national second division and A League men works well for for the capital? Yeah, well, I was involved in the initial bid back with Ivan Slavic as well in 2008, I think it was, and. Um, there's part of my remit for the bid team for Mick Caggiano was to actually do the women's section of the bid report about how it was going to uh, influence the women's team and, and how having a men's team in the nation's capital would be uh, not mutually exclusive to the women's team and how, how important it was to have one whole club under one umbrella because that it, the women's game is growing so much in Canberra and, it's, it's, and, and across Australia as well and across the world. It's vital for us to be able to get um, that team together. And, and, and Mick's already said during the, the, the big presentation, it was very clear to everybody that it was all, always about it being part of, not exclusive to. Now, and that involves everything. The biggest the biggest thing for this bid, if it gets off the ground, and I say if because we've got to get the investors on board, it's, it's halfway through, is it's vital um, for everybody to get behind the bid. It's vital for that bid to start creating grassroots um, connections with the community, be that visiting schools, often said when we've had chats with with um, members of the bid team that it's super important. First things first, it's, it's not even really about getting a team on the park. It's about getting um, into schools, into environments, into clubs and building a fan base, building the want in the community for people to come and watch this team. And it'll be the same with the B team sides as well. It's, it's tapping into their communities and going, well, hang on. Um, we've got a team here, but there's no point having a team because as Frank says, it's not sustainable if it's got no support. And we've seen that across the A-League in the men's and women's competition. You need support in there. Um, but it's going to be a really tricky time for football in Canberra. It's a great time because everybody's there, but there's going to be a real drain on resources, which is why I think a lot of it, a lot of the sponsorship of this kind of team, et cetera, will come externally, potentially from overseas as well. 
because I think that's where the, the money's going to come from uh, for us to be able to make this happen and make it happen properly every time. Are we in a prime position being in the capital? You're talking about overseas investment. Um, is there, is Canberra maybe even better than other markets in Australia because we're in the capital and because some overseas um, investor will be happy to come in and, and deal with the government? What, what you're thinking on that? Yeah. Sorry, I just shut the curtains because the sun's come out. It was been a really, really dark, dismal day here in Gugong this morning. But now, <laughs> obviously, as soon as we start this, the sun comes out. Um, yeah, we are in a great position, actually. I mean, I think it's always been the case that, you know, there's, there's so many... Um, ambassadorial residences in Canberra, you know, the government's right here. It's a great place for potential sponsors to get involved with because everything's decided here in Canberra as well. So, you know, I think it's really attractive for overseas investment. I know that, that the original bid that was um, knocked away um, in the first instance um, back the last time we didn't get in had some really strong overseas investment included in it. Um, not for me to say who and where and why, Um, Michael Caggiano might be able to share that at some stage. I'm sure he will at the, in the future. Um, but if that investment comes back on again, if they can get those kind of investors back on again, then it's going to be great news. And a lot of it, as you say, is Canberra um, as it's as the nation's capital, as the head of government uh, where it sits, is is crucial to that kind of thing. Uh, but also, um, and I'll chuck that out there, we're a very strong football culture. Our football culture in Canberra is stronger than many people outside of this city may have you believe. We've had some fantastic players, men's and women, come through the ranks in the past. Um, you'll know plenty of them. Frank will know plenty of them. Of course, Frank possibly coached a lot of them. Um, you know, and we, we've been punching above our weight at national championships in futsal and in football for years. So it's going to be great to have this on our on our doorstep and, and fingers crossed it all goes to plan. Yeah, me, Kajano, I think uh, on, on off and comments a, a couple of years ago, I think I read that he talked about QSI, um, for example. So as as the kind of investor that I talked to, so it, it'd be great as well. Frank, on 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 that again, and also on on the culture of football in Canberra, you've coached at Olympic, you've coached at Monaro. We said that the two teams that um, had given their expression of interest are are Canberra, Croatia, and Gungahlin United. Something that I've been in Australia less than you two. Uh, something that. It, impressed me but also somehow surprised me with the lack of support was uh, those teams that are built on on the back of communities Canberra Croatia is obviously um, Croatia uh, Olympic being Greece and, and and all this do you think that those clubs are split from each other and will only have that community following them or do you think there is potential for those clubs to federate communities around how, how do you see the landscape having coached in a couple of clubs um it's a, it's a really good question um To, to be honest, I think I think that's probably Canberra's too small for it to split. Like we can't we can't have um, you know a, a you know a, a team that sort of you know we, we we can't just have little fraternities that, that follow one particular club if it's going to be on that sort of stage. We can do that locally without a problem. I think the issue is when we get to like a larger stage and we do need to get the resources and call on resources from all over the city to actually make it a go, uh, make it a success. So, and it's been done before. Um, you know, when, when Canberra was in National League, but when Canberra was in the National League before, um, it was a separate entity. You know, we, we, we first started off in sort of 1977 as, as Canberra City and it was a new club. Um, you know, the, the, then the only time it sort of did change around that was there was a couple of periods there where, It became Canberra City Olympians, and that was largely followed. Uh, that that was largely sort of backed by uh, the Olympic 
club and um, and then the, the sort of Hellenic club. And then Canberra City, I think it was Metro or Canberra Metros or was in the state league. I think Canberra Croatia was behind that rust from, from memory. Um, and I, I even think they actually wore the red and white uh, back in the day there. Um, look, I, I think that's that's the issue that, that, that Michael and, and whoever takes on the A-League licence, if we do get it, um, has to face is that it needs to be united. It needs to be a united uh, approach towards um, any national entity. Um, so I think, look, Canberra United obviously is in, you know, the, the naming and the, and the branding of Canberra United is probably in pole position, I'd imagine. Um, you know, obviously the women's the women's game has, has grown here and, and they've done really well in, in the, the, the A-League or the, the, the Liberty League. So... I can't see it being a success if it does split. Um, potentially, it might work in a B league, but then again, the, the one thing I've always said with the B league, and I was getting asked these questions when I was at Olympic and, and we were we were doing well in the Australia Cup, was, you know, if you do go into a B league, you've got to go into a B league trying to win it and get promoted to an A league. You, you can't go in there trying to to tread water or finish mid table. Uh, yeah, you, you need to be going in there winning it. So you need to be preparing your side as a potential A-League and an A-League club. So you can't go into a B-League not trying to, to, to get promotion. And that's, and hopefully that's, that's the beauty of, of introducing a B-League is that you do get promotion and relegation. My, my concern around that is that you know, it, it's the, the, the teams that will get promoted, I, I'd imagine, will be the teams that are, are well-funded, that do have those communities behind them, like your RPs and your South Melbournes. And do we potentially end up with an A-League of just Sydney and Melbourne teams like we did you know, back in the day with the NSL? I think it's a really complicated and difficult question to ask and answer. Um, but having said that, I think the, the one thing that Canberra does need to do is, is, is really do you have to get united behind this, um, put any sort of personal agendas to one side if, if, if possible. Um, otherwise, we, we're doomed to just basically playing NPL and, and hoping for those odd occasions where you get on national stage in an Australia Cup or an FFA Cup. Yeah, Frank mentioned the name of the team there as well. I mean, whilst the Canberra United is a very strong brand in the national capital already, and it would be ideal if it did come under that, we've got to be realistic and um, and look at the fact that if an investor wanted to come in and pump lots and lots and lots of money into this club and change the name, much like Melbourne Heart happened down in, in Melbourne and changed to Melbourne City, you have to be realistic and look at the financial aspect of it and go, well, is that the way they'll go? Now, that's up to the people that are going to run that organisation. That's up to the investors as well. But we've got to be prepared that, you know, potentially might not be that. It might be something a bit different. So we'll wait and see um, as that progresses um, over the next six months or so. Last question on, on that before we, we jump back onto the NPL. Russ, that, that one's a bit more for you, maybe. Um, you said that you were involved with the first bid and then uh, you helped Mick on the last one. Um, what do you think makes this year the moment Canberra can succeed? Is that, is that the, infrastructure, the infrastructure has grown? Uh, the, the support have, has grown? Why do you think finally the APL looked at Canberra and said, all right, cool, you guys should have the next team? Well, being facetious about it, that's exactly it. They finally looked at us and said, we should have the next team. Arguably, we've had this in place for 10 years. I mean, this this opportunity for, for the national capital um, should have come a long, long, long time ago. And we could have been talking now about a 10-year anniversary 
of a club in Canberra. The infrastructure's already always been there. We do need a new stadium. I think everybody said that, but that's outside of football's remit as well. We've also talked about that in terms of other clubs in, in Canberra. You know, the Brumbies and the Raiders, they all want a new stadium as well. They want something built like Combank that we saw last night with the Socceroos. Great stadium that they've got there. Um, so the infrastructure's always been there. The support's always been there. There's a lot of money in football in Canberra. Um, as you guys are well aware, Frank will know as well, there's plenty of people who support football in Canberra that have a bit of money behind them that want to support football in Canberra, but they'll only do it if it's run the right way. And, and that's vital for us to get involved in that. Um, so, yeah, to answer your question, now is the opportunity because now is the opportunity they've given it to us. And I think, as Frank alluded to in his part where he was talking then, we have to get behind it because if this fails and it doesn't get off the ground for whatever reason, they're not going to look at us again for a very long time. It's almost like you, you, you know, when you're badgering your mum and dad to take you out somewhere, you know, and then eventually they take you there and, and you've got to behave, be on your best behaviour and, and enjoy yourself because you've badgered them enough and they've finally relented and gone, OK, now's your opportunity. Show us what you can do. It's important for the football community in Canberra and the region, because I'll include um, our region here with Yas and, and Walker and Griffith that, that come under our umbrella as well. It's quite a big one to really get behind it when it comes off the ground. Hopefully it is the time and hopefully they uh, they do lead it to, to success. Uh, let, let's talk about the football that we see every single weekend right now until uh, until we get to see some national football next year. Uh, fingers crossed. Back to the NPL. So 2023 would be the, the 11th season of the current version of, of the NPL competition. Uh, and in the last 10 seasons, we've only seen three clubs claiming the, the premiership. Uh, Canberra Croatia has had four. Canberra Olympic has had Three, well done, Frank. Uh, and, and the Tiger FC had had two. Um, in 2020, there was there was no premiers, of course. And five clubs were crowned champions in the end. Uh, so the three aforementioned, and Ganga United and Monaro Panthers last year uh, for, for, for the first time. Frank, uh, yeah, you're no stranger to, to some of the success since you were at the helm with Olympic and, and also last year with, with Monaro. Um, as, as a quick sort of, sort of guess, 2023, do we see... Another team finally putting their name on, on the Premier Trophy? Or do you think it's, it's between, again, uh, Croatia, Olympic and Tigers to see who win uh, at the end of the 21 games? Um, it's a good question. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't want to be one of the, the, the guys that sort of sits on the fence. So I, I really want to sort of go out there and sort of say, look, this is what I think. I think if we are looking at a team that, that may add its name to that list um, that hasn't the, the league title before, it's probably going to come from one of the three teams that um, finished in the top four last season. So looking at Gungal and Monero and O'Connor. Having said that, I think the three teams that have already won the league previously, Croatia, Tigers and Olympic, will, will have a big, big say in who wins the title. Um, now, of those six sides, you know, all of them will have claims to finish top four. Uh, I think once they do... You know, and if things go their way and they remain sort of relatively injury-free, all of them could aim for, for top two and then possibly top spot. Now, while, while I don't see, say, Tuggernong or West Canberra winning the league, they still have their own ambitions around sort of finishing as high on the table as possible. Um, I think from what we've seen in the initial part of the pre-season with the Charity Shield and the, and the first sort of couple of rounds of the Cup, Canberra Croatia have definitely set down a bit, a bit of a marker. They've, they've had two important matches against two significant rivals, um, and this was done with players missing. And we know that every team's going to have players missing throughout the season, but it's more the way that Canberra Croatia went about it and did it. They really sort of picked off um, two quality opposition sides um, and did that 
you know, really, really well and methodically. And I think, to be perfectly honest, I think your, your league winner is going to come from those those six. And, and if there is going to be a new a new name added to that title, it'll probably be out of those three teams that uh, finished in the top four last year. The team that you were coaching last year, one of Panthers, is now um, taken over by Ian Worthington, who was your your assistant. Um, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, maybe the, the change in style that Ian would have uh, compared to you and, and what we have to look for when we watch Monaro this year? Um, look, to be perfectly honest, I don't I don't know if there's going to be too much of a change in style. And, and I purposely tried to sort of stay away from uh, watching too much of their preseason. I just don't want, I don't want Ian to sort of, and he doesn't, we get on really well. So I don't want anyone to feel like I'm sort of looking over anyone's shoulder or anything like that. So, Look, I don't anticipate there'll be too much of a change in style. I mean, I, I will give you a bit of insight. We 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 started off the the season and the campaign playing playing pretty much my my favourite four two three one, um, and that's where I got a, a lot of my success at Olympic. Um, but about sort of getting once we got past the Australia Cup, I sort of figured that if if we were going to continue this way, we were going to probably run second or third, have a good campaign, you know, be commendable. We're going to run a close, you know, we'll get pats on the back for, for doing well. But I, I basically ruled a line through the season and sort of said, look, if we're going to win this, um, we're going to have to change something. And so we actually employed a four four two diamond, something I've never really coached before, but I thought the only way that we could actually rattle the cages of some of the, the, the sides around us was to do something a bit different. Um and so, yeah, look, we, we we had only lost two games all season when we did it. We ended up losing four, and we lost to two teams that finished outside the four. But then those last four games against Tigers, O'Connor, Gungahl, and and, uh, and Canberra Croatia in the grand final sort of showed that doing that and trying something different and, and sort of rolling the dice and believing that what we could do was... was um, was going to give us the success. We're either, going to, like, we're either going to finish second or third playing a safe sort of style or finish second or third, maybe even fourth, uh, rolling the dice and trying to win it. So I, I don't think Ian will change too much. I think he's added some really good quality there. But having said that, um, Monero has lost a fair bit of quality as well. I think, you know, probably two of the best left-backs in the whole competition last year in Calabria and Bailey have both moved in a state. Andre Carl's moved in a state and then he messaged me last night because he scored last night for Croydon after coming off the bench. He's been out for a couple of weeks um, with a with a groin injury, but I'll have to I have to say to him like stop messaging me at midnight. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, he was he was pretty happy to get back on the score sheet. And they were down 2-0 and they got back to two all once once he scored. Um, obviously Rocco Stricker, arguably one of the best players, if not the best player in the competition, has, has joined the club. You know, one of the most Dynamic emerging talents there with Connor Minot Smith is there. Um, be very interesting to see how they go, and, and obviously they've got their retained player of the year, Jordan Thurtell. So, you know, that's going to be a very that's going to be a very interesting watch for me, not just on a on a football level, but from a personal level, because obviously there's a lot of friends that I've still got at the club, and 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 players that are still there that I've coached. Um, very interesting to see how how Tigers go with their recruitment. Olympic have been out of the four. Since since I left, so you know, it'd be interesting to see how they go, and they've they've set a very big market down. I thought their win against Tuggeranong was um, was was really significant in that they were behind and they had a player sent off. And and yeah, look, a couple of calls might have gone the other way, but at the same time, 
to 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 get get through a danger game like that is uh, is a big tick in the box for for Parlo and Daniel. So yeah, I'll be very interested to see how they go. And um, yeah, like I said, yeah, it's it's a it's a very open competition. You've probably got six, seven, you know, six and a half teams that that won't fit into four. Russ, on that, uh, last year it, it did look like you had Canberra, Croatia, Gangnam United, Monaro, and then the rest. There was a bit of a gap uh, in, uh, in in the table, and, and they were also the only three teams with a, uh, I guess, a positive record with more wins than losses on that table. What are your thoughts on, on the competition overall and, and how it is, I guess, I guess, in the post-COVID world? Well, first of all, I can say that Frank's going to, um, everything goes according to plan, we'll be in another grand final this year because we get to go every year. It's fantastic. You know, <laughs> unfortunately for you this time, you'll be sat up there with me in the comms, mate. But it's, um, it is it is a great position to be in when you get to sit there and, and know right now, before we've kicked a ball, that, you know, all being equal, we're going to be um, on the grand final anyway. So it's going to be great for us. Um, it's going to be a wonderful uh, season. I, I, Frank's summed it up pretty well in what he's talked about there. He says, but all these sides have recruited really well. It's, it's, it's the norm in Canberra that at this time of year, and, 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 and we've seen it a lot earlier than normal this year, um, there's a huge amount of recruitment. It's not a very big uh, city for people living overseas. Um, you can go from one end to the other in about 35 to 40 minutes when you're so you could live south side and then play north side. It's not very difficult to get from one end to the other. Traffic's pretty good. So we see a lot of movement in our clubs. Um, so it's not surprising to see all these people coming and going. But it's the manner of the recruitment and the players that they've brought in that are so good. Um, and we've been pretty lucky to see so far that Frank mentioned the, the teams that could win this. Six of them. And there are six of them that you, you think. And, and that's no disrespect for the other two that I think will be very much there or thereabouts themselves. Got a little visitor here coming to say hello to us. My son's just come to join us. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be a really good season. Frank mentioned the um, the Monero Panthers players that they've brought in. They've lost a lot of experience. The same can be said for uh, of some of the other sides as well. You know, last year we watched it get to that last stage and, and it, we went to the pretty much the last round where Olympic and O'Connor were battling for that top four spot. And, and, it, and it went to that last last moment. There was games and results and goals. Everything mattered, and that's not to even talk about what's going to happen at the other end of the season, at the other end of the table, where someone's got to go down. Belcon and United went last year. Um, we were surprised to see them go, but potentially a club of that storied history um, now playing in the CPL. Individual players are going to make huge differences to clubs this year. Frank's alluded to a couple of them. You have as well, Jeremy, when you were talking. The big thing about this, and we've said this in commentary before, 1-11 to 11 don't win your titles this year. It's where you go after that. It's 12 through, we used to say 12 through 16. Now it's 12 through 18, 12 through 20, a 21-round competition. Plus, if you want to be successful in the Cup as well um, and the, and the postseason competition, you've got a lot of games to play. Your squads are vitally important. You're looking at who people are bringing in. What I'm really excited to see is there has been a few changes of coaches at these clubs. So with new coaches, new styles, new players, new formations, it's going to be really interesting. And I can't wait for round one, which is in uh, next weekend. Yeah, next, next weekend. Go ahead, Frank. I was going to say, we, we never actually played the same starting 11 two weeks in a row last year. We, we um, it, it was it was just uncanny that you know, we didn't have either, we either had a suspension or an injury or something, but we never once in the whole season played the same starting 11 two weeks in a row. Yeah, I think it shows what what I, what it has been in the in the past couple of years. I think for a lot of teams, but yeah, kudos 
to you for getting the the success uh, regardless. And and I think that's what Russ is saying. It is 18, 20 players that need to be involved for the whole season and that need to be, yeah, I guess, buying into what the coach says for for a a full season. Uh, Another great success, I think, for football in Canberra last year, Russ, um, was was that All-Star versus Central Coast Mariners Academy game, which, uh, you know, we know how the how it unfolded, but in the end, there was some pretty good results coming from it. And, and a few players from the capital leaving uh, Canberra, sort of like thanks to it. Can, can you tell us a bit more about, about that? Yeah, I think the first thing to think about that is, well, it, it, it goes hand in hand with what we talked about at the start of this broadcast, really, was the crowd. Um, the crowd for that game was very, very good. There was a lot of people that came along, a lot of people that wanted to watch the Mariners, of course, but a lot of people that, that were happy to come and watch a conglomerate um, ACT representative side. We used to get it with the Rockets back in the day. Um, it was great. People do get behind those kind of sides. So with no club allegiance, you know, they come to see their mates play, obviously, but they, they come to support the ACT team. Um, it, it was a it was put together very last minute. It wasn't a hugely planned thing. I mean, the Mariners came to us quite late with that one, but it was great to invite them down to Canberra and to see it. And yeah, obviously you said off the back of it, quite a lot of the young boys have got opportunities um, up with the Mariners. Harry Menham from Belconian United went up there. Noah Steinacker went up there. I think Marte Busek um, was there too. That's to name but three. And uh, it was great to see them trial. I think um, young goalkeeper Dylan Parak cullen had a go up there too. So that, and this again goes back to what we talked about before, plenty of talent in Canberra, plenty of talent in Canberra, potential to play at higher levels, need the opportunity and the infrastructure and the places to do so. Um, I love the uh, ACT representative sides. I think they're great if they're done properly. Um, I love to see the fact that if you put our best 11, what we might consider, consider our best 11 on the park, I think they'd be able to take these teams. We saw it few years ago with Canberra Olympic who played West um, Western Sydney Wanderers up at the AIS and they borrowed some players from other teams and you know it was interesting to see those players playing in, in what is essentially a Canberra Olympic side but they pushed that Wanderers side all the way and this wasn't this was a year I think before the Wanderers went and won the AFC Champions League so yeah, there's plenty of, of talent in that I want to see more of that um, if we can do that locally A-League and B-League will obviously take some players. Evidently, of course, a lot of players will come from interstate and overseas. It's just the way of professional football. It happens. Um, but let's get more of that on and let's get more of our talent shown around. Frank, you would have seen it yourself um, coming through the, the junior ranks at Olympic and and um, at Monero Panthers in recent years. Plenty of quality there, isn't there? Well, even if you look at last year's New South Wales Premier League Grand Final, we had three Canberra players in there. Ben Van Mules, Daniel Fabrizio and Nico Oida. You know, like, the, these, aren't, these aren't sides that you just walk into. You know, so, you know, the, the opportunities, you know, that, that players need to take now are, are to get out of Canberra and, and, and go and ply their trade somewhere else. You know, you've got Lucas Moragas, who's just been named in the Australian under-23 side, you know, Harrison Bunnell's made the move to Wollongong to, to study, but he's walked into uh, a starting spot there. So there's, there is a lot of talent. And, I mean, um, if you got Canberra's best players, and I'm not saying Canberra's best players would be um, week in, week out, sort of competitive in, in an A-League, but if they are in a full-time environment, yeah, they definitely they definitely give a, a B-League competition a bit of a nudge, for sure. Yeah, you, you, you mentioned... Go 
Sorry, sorry. I was going to say you, you mentioned um, Coloma not Smith, and, and I think um, the, the name of, of Max Green might be on a few uh, highlight reel this this season as well. Um, is, is there any other players that our listeners should uh, should keep a, a particular ear to when, when they hear them uh, during our commentaries? Yeah, look, I, I, I did a bit of a, a season preview that I sent through to Russ um, a couple of weeks ago, and you know, I, I, I sort of listed who I thought the main players were for each, the main player was for each club, their best acquisition and their emerging talent. And, you know, your Minot Smith and your Max Greens and, and even your Alan James from uh, from Canberra Olympic, I think they'll be high on the list of of, um, of most sides as far as like when they, they'll, they'll start most games in, in their club and they're, they're playing at good clubs. You know, you've got, um, a number of emerging talents, you know, a, a friend, you know, family friends of ours, uh, the Paragalis, Michael Paragali had his first start in um, in Gungahlin Colours in against O'Connor Knights in the Australia Cup last week. I think he, he turned 17 this week. So, you know, he, he might be one that comes through. You know, young Barese, his father was at, at Canberra Venice when I was coaching at Cambria Venice in, in sort of under 18s and things like that. He's he's come back from a little stint in uh, in Sydney. He's only a teenager that, that that's sort of knocking on the door for a first grade um, uh, for first grade. Appearances. There'll be a number of young players uh, across a number of clubs that I think will stick their hand up and and they'll only be encouraged if there's a promise or a pathway that they can actually emerge and, and get onto a national stage regularly. And look at look at Canberra Croatia over the last two weeks. You mentioned that they've won those games in the Charity Shield and the and the Cup without Jason Grinich, Stephen Dominici, Kasper Tafta, Lukman Ahmed Shaibu. Um and yet they had a bench full of young kids and some of them started, you know, Evanderpol started and um uh, young Jack Leverett's come in and played two games at fullback and Nick Pratazina led the line superbly well um in, in the cup tie and and, and these are young kids that are coming through. And you mentioned Paragali, who I thought was ex- exceptional against O'Connor Knights in the cup win um, that I was lucky to do with Steve Forshaw on the Friday night at Gungahlin. There's, they don't care about reputations. They don't care about who they're playing against. They just want to go out and show their ability. And and they've definitely done that so far. And I think I'm looking forward to, again, this, this is, we, we talk about the big, big name players that we talk about that move from club to club, but it's bringing those youngsters through and giving them their head that often gets you the success. Very much like we were saying, the, the Women's World Cup in Australia was creating that pathway for all the elite women players at a smaller scale. The fact that there's two teams with their expression of interest for the NSG and there's the potential elite men, I think it's a season that might be, you know, sort of like the season where the best players want to be at their best in, in, in the NPL. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would. I mean, there's opportunities, isn't there? Um, you can see a pathway door opening. You can see an opportunity opening. When, when whoever they bring on board for coaching these teams, if they get their nod and, and they're um, accepted into either the A-League or the National Second Division, they're starting to look for talent. They're starting to scout for talent. Um, the, the ideal scenario, of, of course, now is that with Bar TV um, that we've got and with all the streaming services that we provide, everybody's got video reels now. Everybody's got highlights of what they can do. Everybody can show what they can do. Um, people talk, Canberra's a very small community as well, and I'm sure there'll be people leaning on the expertise of people like Frank and other coaches like, you know, Dina Greenwich, Paul Palomeco, um, Mitch Stevens, those kind of coaches, and, and, and asking them about their players, who they've got. Because when you bring in those kind of environments, it's not just first grade you're looking at. You've got to build a club which has got progression. You need progression. Everyone supports teams 
um, overseas and in the A-League. And, and the most exciting thing is to see the progression of youth players into the first grade. It's great when you can buy a Ronaldo or a Messi or an Mbappe and bring him into your team. But isn't it fantastic when you bring through a 16 or 17, 18 year old, and, and they've come through your youth ranks and bang, they're into the lineup. And the opportunities will be there for those kids. Frank, you were obviously super close to to players um, last year and, and, and ever. Um, is, is that something that might come into the, the coach's speech this year, this season? Um, hey guys, like, you know, keep your head in, think about what's going to happen if, if you're at the maximum of your potential, you know, the best player that sometimes can have competitive priorities. Is that something that changed a little bit this season? Um, I, I, I think, yeah, to be honest, I think it could. Uh, but to be, if, if I was to be saying that, then I'd probably run out of things to say. Like, if I, I'd, I'd want to be talking to the players about why this game's important and why we need to win this game or get the result that we need to get. Like, if you've got to dangle a carrot around, you know, future A-League bid or a B-League, then you probably run out of things to say, I'd, I'd imagine, I'd imagine. It, it might be a conversation that you actually have as a group um, before the season and um, and maybe even during that we you sort of remind people that there is maybe a bigger fish down the, down the way that they, they might be able to get hold of. But, um, yeah, I, th I think if, if, if I was talking to my players about a game or the tactics or whatever else, I'd be sticking to that. I think you're right, Frank. I don't think it's a it's a it's a motivational tool that you need to provide to your players. I think what it is is it it's there at the end of a successful journey, and it's like anything. It's like getting into first grade squads, and I'm sure Frank said this to players as well. You work hard enough in in your junior football, you get promoted to the next level, you get to the next level. And you keep working, you keep working, and then eventually you make your first grade debut at MPL level. And there's a reason you've been selected. It's because you've shown everybody already, not just on match days, but in training, with your attitude, with, with everything that you're doing correctly, that here's your opportunity to shine here. And so it's a natural progression. You don't need to dangle that carrot because if they then perform at that level, naturally, as we've seen with other players in Canberra, people will come looking for you and they'll look at you and go, OK, they are performing week by week for their club. At a, a reasonably high level, they'll talk to the coaches. What are their attitude like? What are they like amongst the team environment? The dynamic of that is huge. So everything that Frank's saying, I think, is 100% correct. Coaches locally will focus on what they can do with their group because they've got a job to do and they've got to win this competition because let's make no bones about it. This isn't a participation competition. This is the MPL. People are in this to win trophies. Sometimes it's not how you win. It's just winning. Um, everybody wants to win playing fantastic football. We all want to go out there as commentators and analysts and, and, and everything else and go, oh, I've watched a team play today and they knock the ball around 30, 40 passes. They won 7 8 nil. Fantastic. But sometimes you've got to go out there and grind out a 1 nil away win in horrible conditions and it'll be horrible to watch. But who cares? At this level, it's not about that. That's about lower levels. That's about the levels below this where it's about creating players about creating opportunities for those players to learn when they get to this level they should still be learning because you never stop learning but you should also have an, a, a a knowledgement of where you're at and what you're doing and everything about the a-league and second division will follow on from that because if they play well for their coach listen to their coach's advice on match day do it then that'll naturally lead to the next level a natural stick and carrot that is dangled is the relegation that has been on for the last couple of seasons uh, in the NPL. You, you mentioned we've seen Belconen being relegated last year, the year before it was 
Tugrenong, who, who came back up straight away. We've seen last year O'Connor, the very first team being promoted, make it to the final. Uh, obviously, something that's very obviously positive to a competition is promotion relegation for both the, the NPL and the CPL. Um, a team like Ben Belconen, um, Russ, do you see them coming back straight away with, of course, you know, the history that they have and the type of club that, that they are and, uh, and, and a team like Turgonong who just came back up? Um, we know the talent that they have. Can they keep that talent up for 21 games? It's going to be hard for Belconnen. It's a very tough league to get out of, as Tuggerong will tell you. I mean, they they breezed to the title last year. I think they probably um, made it look easier than it was. I mean, it's a very hard place to go and get points on the board. I think in that division to be successful, you need a youthful exuberance around your team. You need to be able to play at pace and you need to be fit. I mean, if you've seen a lot of it in the in the cup competitions where our CPL sides and state league sides can stick with our Premier League sides for about an hour, And, and then naturally they tail off because they don't train as much. Um, the problem for Balcony United is that everybody else in that division has gone out this season and gone, right, we want that promotion spot. And they've started recruiting quite heavily. And you've seen some of the uh, names that, that you'll see at some stage on the CPL. Um, some clubs have gone really strongly and looked at players and gone, I need this, I need this. And if you take Tuggerong out of the mix last year, The rest of it was pretty tight. There wasn't much in it at all between the ones beneath them in the chase for the top four, et cetera, et cetera. So for Balcony United to drop down into that division, the hard thing for a lot of them as well is, you know, they'll be playing their home games at McKellar um, quite a lot of the time. That's going to be a great incentive to the opposition to get in the Capital Premier League to go to McKellar and get to play on that surface um, when they get the opportunity to do so. Uh, Steve Forshaw is a good coach. He's seen it all before, though. Um, he'll have no illusions about how hard it's going to be. And he's, we've already seen from the cup ties he's played against Queanbeyan City and Brindabella Blues, two teams that are going to be there or thereabouts with them in the competition. They've beaten them both. He's put a core of experienced heads in that team. Um, he's got the Isaac Maybreeze. Um, you know, you've got uh, Dustin Wells, Taylor Beaton's come back into the outfit. And he's surrounded them with young talent, pacey players, players that can, that can do, if you like, The running, not that everybody doesn't run, but you know what I'm saying, is that could do that for those players. So for them, they're looking good. Difficult for them to come straight back up, as I said, because everybody else wants that. Everybody else wants the opportunity um, to get promoted. And it's going to be a really interesting league to watch this year. As for Tuggeron United, well, they've not done too much in terms of their recruitment. They've filled in some spots where they feel they need to. Big loss for them will be Harrison Bunell. Yeah, I mean, Frank mentioned him's gone to Wollongong Wolves. He's now left a big hole there that needs to be filled. But they have recruited pretty well. I think they've made some good um, choices. Uh, Kunya Kaglar as a striker comes in for them. He scored a lot of goals for White Eagles last year. I think he, he if he can get off and running, he will be good. A lot will depend on Sam Walker. Um, I'm going to mention Jordan Keisha because Frank Wotes. Um, he provides a lot of um, quality across wherever you put him on the park, he can fill in numerous positions. They might be relying on him to fill in that centre-back role alongside perhaps Teresi and Bogo um, or whoever Mitch Stevens picks. He's given the young guys that got him up an opportunity. And I, I think that's commendable of Mitch Stevens. It's going to be hard for him. We saw straight away against Olympic. They pushed Olympic all the way in that cup tie. They need to be a little bit more ruthless in the final third. They're not going to get as many chances as they did in the CPL. And the ones they get, they're going to have to take. 
Frank, your take on having promotion relegation in, in the competition? I mean, of course, it's, uh, it is a great incentive and, uh, and both ways, but also it's maybe a chance down the line to see, to see teams from, from Ugali and, um, you know, the Waga City coming into to the capital. How good is it for the region? Oh, I love it. I think I think it's a given. I think any any worthwhile competition around the world um, has promotion relegation. Um, and just just even on on Russ's point, I think Tuggeron almost made made it difficult, more difficult for Bill Connor this year because of what they did last year. I think there's a few teams there that you know your your, your Queensland cities, your ANUs, and your White Eagles of the world who would have thought, oh well, yeah, they'll be in the mix. Um, but Tuggeron got the jump on them quickly, and I think they've learnt a lot from that. Talking to some of the guys that are involved in those clubs, they, they, you know, there won't be. I don't think Bill Connor will get the jump on them the way Tuggeron did last year, uh, and that's not disrespecting Bill Connor. That's just basically saying that these other teams will be more prepared. And the other significant thing over there, Tuggeron being promoted, is when Queen, uh, when O'Connor got promoted, they you know, it was a twenty twenty, so it was a shortened season, but they were only a few points ahead, Russ, weren't they? They weren't like massively ahead i think they was they they were a point or two yeah, ahead of of anu who and they had to play them twice i think uh, if memory serves me right as well so you know it fell in if the cards fell in their favor in that respect yeah and so they they were they were getting run to a pretty close season regardless of who ended up you know if, the, if that whole season played out but you know o'connor came through uh and look at what they did last year they made the top four uh, made the semi-final of the cup. Tuggeron won that competition by eight points. So, you know, don't don't underestimate, you know, the the stability that Tuggeron bring uh, that they, and the cohesion that they'll have within that squad at, at that next level. So, you know, it could be interesting to see how they... I'll be very interested, obviously, to see how they go. I'll be watching a lot of their games. Um, Russ won't be... Com- I won't be commentating on all of them, obviously, but... <laughs> So I think it's a, but yeah, going back to your question, um, Jeremy, it's it's a must. Promotion relegation is an absolute must, and I think even at that A League level, I think too many teams get comfortable if their seasons petering out, where they can just just make up the numbers week in week out rather than actually have something to play for, something very significant to play for. Yeah, we, we can't wait to see, you know, as much as we love a, a good title battle, we also can't wait to see um, that that promotion relegation battle because it made for our, for our crazy games last season. Uh, well, the NBL season starts in, in Canberra next weekend, uh, April 1st, and, and we'll find you two, Russ and Frank, on, on commentary on Bar TV Sport for anybody who can't uh, make the trip to the, the, the Chevapi Derby. I think that's the right word to say, between O'Connor Knights and uh, Canberra Croatia at O'Connor and close at 3 p.m. on Saturday. And then uh, we'll get to hear you two again at Riverside Stadium on that same day at 5.45 for Monaro Panthers versus uh, Tiger FC. You, you guys are putting quite a shift on a, on a Saturday. There'll be a third NBL game uh, commented by Russ uh, on Sunday, Tergrenong uh, and Gangalin United. I'm not sure who you're with, Russ, for that game, sorry, but uh, it'd be at Kemba 201. And then the other game played that weekend um, without Russ's voice, because you guys will be already be busy, is Canberra Olympic versus West Canberra Wanderers at the AIS on Saturday at 3 p.m. That, that's a lot of uh, that's a lot of excitement coming in finally our way. Uh, we've had uh, our fair share of, of crazy game with the Australia Cup, but now the the NPL season is is finally coming. Um, thank you too for for giving us a bit of your time for previewing 
um, what would be an exciting season in in the capital uh, with the NPL, with the CPL, uh, and later on the track, I, I know we'll talk about the women's NPL that um, Russ and I will commentate, and hopefully Frank will, will come as well a little bit. Frank, uh, thanks again for giving me a bit of your time for being here today. Uh, you know, maybe any word of, of encouragement for, for all the other coaches in the NPL this season? Do they want to hear about who, who got the champion title or do they just not want to hear anything from you? Oh, look, the, the only advice I'd give them is just to be brave, keep things simple and, and, and follow their instincts. Like, I think sitting on the outside and even even coaching, I think you can tell when, when coaches are getting influence from external factors, be it, you know, committee members or players or social media. Just back your decision making and uh, and, and it, you know be be brave and uh, and try things that will get you the success that you're after. Thanks, Frank Russ. Thank you for your time. Obviously, looking forward to uh, to listening to your commentary or student to commentating next to you um, as well. And and we'll see if we can find a a better line in the intro that that mayhem in the Panthers ranks. We'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll try and get one that's better. If if Frank let us change that one. Uh, I leave the last words of the. <laughs> I was going to say if we get if we if we get something uh, as dramatic as that, we'll be having a very good season indeed. And I could tell you that Ian Worthington will be with me at Canberra on Sunday for Tuggeron versus Gungahlin United to wrap that up. And I'm really looking forward on a personal note to working with Frank this year as well. Um, we do have some really good laughs off the camera as well when we're not on the mic, and you know um, appreciate the fact that he brings the coffee. Um, I mean, not quite the wet, the red wine that you bring occasionally, Jeremy, when we go to two <laughs> matches. But you know, it's a step up. <laughs> he did, he did bring some, and I've got to be honest, he did bring some um, grilled chicken burgers to the Australia Cup match. So it's obviously my shout to bring something for the Chivapi Derby in round one. We all we all try and 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 contribute as much as much as we can. Uh, Russ, I'm, I'm going to leave the last words of the pod to to you as well. Um, you know, how excited are you? Uh, for this season and you know we didn't talk about it but there's also a, a great team of refs there's Bart TV who's supporting uh, the capital the the right way um, what what do we get expe- excited for this season? I'm excited for all of it it's great that Bar TV are back on board they'll bring us live coverage free to air of course for the women's and men's national premier league there is a, a paywall for our under 23s and reserve grade that's the payoff for having to bring that back because it costs us a little bit more money to do so if you do like that football we encourage you to subscribe to that you do get access to everything on the bar tv channels if you subscribe which gives you access to plenty of other matches and sports around australia as well look i did 96 matches last year from start to finish i think in all competitions it was a hefty year i'm expecting more this year as well but just as we've mentioned throughout this this nearly an hour that we've been talking these clubs um, I've put a lot of effort into this. There's some great players that we're looking out for and we're very privileged where we sit to be able to go to matches. There's no pressure on us per se. Um, we're not the ones putting the effort out there on the field. And I just want to uh, shout out to all the players, coaching staff, team managers, canteen people that look after us on match day that enable us to do our job to the best of our ability. And then, of course, finally, to the, to the players that are on the pitch that give us the entertainment because... That, those intro that you talked about there, you can you can talk about football and you can commentate on football as much as you like, but if the players don't provide you with the moments to talk about, well, it's a pretty dull game, isn't it? So it, at the end of the day, it's all about them on the field and, and I'm looking forward to another season, sat with you guys, uh, dissecting it all, watching it all and bringing it to everybody at home. Thanks, Russ. Thanks, Frank. Thank you for your time, the two of you, and, and we'll see you pitch side uh, from next week onwards. Ciao, ciao. 
Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks, guys. What a goal! Max Green with a stunner! Daniel Balaji must score! He's going to score! Camera Croatia leads! Real chance at the far post of McCarthy! And they've got one back! Oh, with the back here, Flex! It's unbelievable! What a finish!